So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? <laughs> Is that the last movie you've seen in theaters? Probably. No, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got that reference. I saw Weathering with nice, You nice. Uh, in theaters, which was like not that long ago. And then before that was Star Wars. Oh, you did go see Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw Star Star Wars twice. Uh, You saw Star Wars twice? I know. And you didn't go see 1917 or Jojo Rabbit. Shame on you. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Well, I didn't know better at the time. (laughs) (laughs) The problem was the first showing of Star Wars, I didn't get everything because it was just, it was so fast. So I had to go back and, and try to catch it again. Because it pounds you in the face. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. It's like, let's visit 20 planets in one Star Wars movie. <laughs> and go. <laughs> I loved how someone mapped that out after the fact, and it's just like, this This is just ridiculous. Because apparently you can just jump all all over the galaxy. Time doesn't matter. It It's fine. No, it makes me sense. Which, which is also a thing that like completely throws out the second movie. Is it's like... Yeah. It's like, oh, the the second movie is entirely built around the conceit of, like, we can't get away from this other ship because traveling through space takes a long time. And then the third movie's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Well, the second movie also has the problem where it's doing that, but it's also doing the episode nine problem because they go off to that casino planet. Right, but they only go to one planet. Yeah, but, like, it takes, I don't know, like... I mean, I think in episode eight, the ticking clock is a problem. Because I, I don't, I just don't think you need it. It seems inconsistent. Right. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I'm saying it's not nearly as bad because them being able to make it to one planet nearby. Because they were trying to make it somewhere specific. Right. Whereas in nine, it's like we have, what is it, like 24 hours or something like that? But if you go in, if you go uh, hyperspeed, then you go backwards in time. You go faster of, than time. Uh, relativity. I mean that that yeah. is true. You would. <laughs> it's like so there you the go. Nerd. Problem solved. I I have like always I always avoid bringing up that stuff when people discuss <laughs> like science fiction movies. They're like, I just don't know how the timetable works out. And in my head, I'm immediately like, well, I mean, it has fashion like travel, so they're technically traveling in time. But I'm like, I'm not going to bring that up because yeah. I'm going to sound like a huge nerd. Everybody's going to look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? It's exactly why you're on this podcast, though, is because you are a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Well, good show. Good show. I mean, we had this whole list of topics, but I think that pretty much just covered that it. That covers it, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. See you next time. All right. Yeah. Bye, guys. So who wants to open it up? Brad, I suck at opening. Timothy. I suck at opening. Someone else do it. Okay. You want to do it, Brett? Should I do it? Doesn't matter to me. Um, We could both do it, and then you can just take whichever one does it best in post. How about you do it in unison? <laughs> in harmony. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Brett, you take the high. And- what key are we in? <laughs> doesn't matter i won't hit it <laughs> hold on let me take another drink <laughs> la, 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 does, any, la. does anybody have a tuning fork? okay now i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> uh okay <clears throat>
Well, do we even want an opening, or do we just like cold open, just like start in on the thing? I kind of just like starting in on the thing. Okay. Let's we do, do have to eventually have an intro, but we could work our way into it from a cold opening. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think this right here works great. So uh, if you are listening, you have found Insufficiently Advanced, a podcast about technology and entertainment. To be clear, we don't know how you found this, yeah, but did, congratulations. Uh, you're I, I mean, it's, it's not even posted yet, so I don't know how you found it. <laughs> Good on you. Um, yeah, so it's a podcast thing. I'm Michael. I'm Timothy. I'm Brett. And uh, there you go. That's us. <laughs> and, the re- and, the- <laughs> and the reason why you would listen to the three of us talk about tech and, and entertainment, there are none. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. We enjoy it. Figured uh, we'd talk amongst ourselves and maybe somebody else would want to listen in. So, Look, we just assume that we're probably the smartest people, at least in this hemisphere. So... <laughs> Our knowledge well, would be... Let, let's not go too far. We're not the <laughs> smartest people in the hemisphere, but about these specific topics, we definitely are. Like, without question. Definitely, yeah. The expert level status. Yeah. yeah. We hit that, right? Right, Michael? Uh, send feedback to Brett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brett, Brett, what's your phone number again? Thank you for texting. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I think Don't. I've got it. It's in my it's in my contacts. Uh <laughs> Timothy. Oh, no wait. <laughs> so, uh yeah, so the name of the show, Insufficiently Advanced. Timothy came up with a great idea. So, I'm going to have him explain it. Yeah, so if uh any sci-fi fans out there are familiar with uh Arthur C. Clarke, a pretty famous science fiction writer, he had his three laws of, uh, I don't even know what you call them. They're just Clark's three laws. And one of the most famous ones that a lot of people have heard before is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And since we're talking about modern day tech, and since uh, we're often talking about the failures of modern day tech, <laughs> I, thought, I thought a good name for the podcast would be insufficiently advanced because the tech we're dealing with is not magic. <laughs> yep. Touche. I think it's beautiful. Agreed. I like it a lot. Yeah. Let's stick with it. And uh, generally, I think we're going to cover, um, obviously, technology. We're kind of, we kind of lean toward the Apple camp of of tech, but we also have a pretty broad swath of other platforms and interests. So I think we're going to cover kind of, kind of everything for the However many episodes we do, should we? Do we want to throw a number down there, like eight hundred? We're gonna, yeah, like, at least eight hundred, like, or yeah, or maybe um, you know we can take a poll and whoever gets closest. Yeah, there you go. I think I think we should pull like a Tarantino and like set oh. a specific number, but then after the fact, be like, but this move doesn't count, and then yeah. it doesn't count, <laughs> just so we can squeeze some more in. Yeah, I like it. I'd like to at least hit what fifteen. <laughs> I'd be happy with two at this point. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, and the idea would be that this podcast will be every other week. Uh, so we record on usually Wednesdays. It'll be out who knows when. Um, and 
yeah, we'll talk about the news and the tech, and uh, we also will hit on uh, some some gaming. Um, most of us are primarily console gamers, but there's a little bit of PC gaming in there, and uh, entertainment, TV, movies, that kind of stuff. So that's why I assume you have me here as the entertainment. You are you're, you're the bard of the. Show. I am the entertainment. Yeah. Not that I'm an expert in entertainment. <laughs> I'm just the entertainment. Did you bring a lute? No, but I can whistle. Excellent. I'm not going to, so don't hold your breath. Toss a coin to your Brightson. Ooh, remix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world needs another toss a coin to your Witcher uh, yeah. <laughs> cover, right? there aren't enough. <laughs> I cannot God. believe how many. I, I mean, who in the world didn't like that show? That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> I think that was universally... Beloved by everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially you, right, Brett? <laughs> Especially me and uh, my co-hosts on the What the Fanboy podcast. Hashtag shameless plug. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got roasted for our opinions on that. Is that the most feedback you've received on oh, a show? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. But you know what? You know what? Brought in lots more traffic. We don't typically try... To be controversial, clearly we need to be more controversial yeah, because it worked. There's no such thing <laughs> as bad reviews. Yeah, why not? So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Brett has another podcast. We'll uh, pop a link in the show notes in case you want to check it out. They also talk about entertainment and, well, how about you give a synopsis? You're probably better at that than I am. Yeah, we just well, we just like to talk uh, about anything and everything you can fanboy or fangirl over, right? So that, that's primarily entertainment, movies, TV shows, games. We dive into comics a little bit. Tyler is kind of our resident comic man. Uh, but yeah, we do a weekly podcast, so check it out. The, th- the thing on the show that constantly makes me chuckle every time it happens is when uh, a show or a movie gets a uh, Matthew McConaughey rating. Yeah. Because it's... All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Our rating system is the best. <laughs> Every time you guys say it, I just giggle. So, <laughs> success. Yeah. So, uh, enough about my show yeah, or that yeah. show. Let's talk about we this have show. this show. This this is yeah. This will be a better show, right? This will be a. Uh <laughs> huh. This will be a more structured show for sure. <laughs> So, so far, we're totally hitting that structure. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the the beauty of editing, I assume, Michael. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. You guys won't even recognize it. <laughs> we do. We do our uh, the what the fanboy show is live, so there's no editing. Yeah, this so polished. Yeah, to a high sheen. I expect it to. Uh, so there's a new game coming out from. Uh, Marcus Leto and V1 Interactive. Marcus is famously known as the uh, creator of the Master Chief from the Halo series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was the, what was his title for Halo Reach? He was, he was the guy in charge. Creative director. Creative director. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Marcus, uh, many years ago, left Bungie and started a new studio, V1 Interactive, and they've been secretly, quietly working on a new, quote, first-person shooter. Um, and we finally got to see it. It's called Disintegration. Mm-hmm. And the technical beta for it came out 
last week, and we played a bit of it. I know Brett played quite a bit of it. I played a lot of it. <laughs> I still managed to go to work every day, but I but I played a lot of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and uh, I just I wanted to talk about it and sort of see what your uh, impressions were. It's not that often that we get a new franchise, um, like fresh, brand new from the top. Uh, and especially from this crew, it seems like it's got some promise and worth talking about. Yeah, I, I see what you did there with, with crew. Um, to go along with that, though, it's also really cool to see not only a new IP, but like you said, it's a first-person shooter, but with a twist. It's also like a kind of a new mechanic. Mechanically, it's unique, uh, and I, I really appreciate that about it. Um, I've got a lot to say, but uh, I want Timothy to give his initial impressions. Yeah, I, 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 it's pretty interesting. I, it feels quite a bit like... A like a mech shooter, which I think mm-hmm. is probably something they were going for. It felt very uh, responsive, which you'd expect from somebody that was behind making the Halo franchise. Yeah. Um, but they, that, that RTS layer, the real-time strategy layer, was really interesting. And it's something I think, I think nobody really got a handle on in the beta that I played with. Mm. Um, it's something that I think is going to take like, quite a bit of time for people to get used to. But the fact, just the fact that you have these AI companions with you all the time, even in multiplayer, I thought was really interesting because there's not a lot of games that do that. There's games that have had, you know, AI companions with you, but they're not really with you. They're just around, like Titanfall, for example. You know, they're kind of on the map, but nobody's like following your lead or right. following your commands. And that, I think that was by far, to me, the most interesting thing is there was always a lot of action on the battlefield just from your AI companions helping fight either the other AI companions or the other graph cycles. So, Yeah, and it might be worth just sort of uh, mentioning for those who don't know about the game, the, the sort of high-level gist of it is that <clears throat> you play as a grav cycle pilot, which is you're on a, I don't know, it's, it's a vehicle that sort of floats off the ground, maybe, you know, a couple stories high 50 and, 60 feet probably. yeah and it has uh it's loaded up with various forms of firepower and you have also a crew of ai teammates who follow you around and they're on the ground and there's like a mech guy and there's like a sniper guy and there's a i don't know it, it kind of depends on the crew that you pick but um they're they're kind of handcrafted into these specific loadouts right so that you you have different uh, kind of like Overwatch, where different uh, characters have different abilities. Your whole crew makes up that kind of loadout. I think the biggest question I had coming out of it was, and I think it was what a lot of people was wondering, were wondering, was uh, what what is the single player going to be like? Because I assume because in multiplayer you're not playing as a main character you're playing is like a very specific crew with mm-hmm. a theme. So I su- assume in the single player, you're going to be more like a master chief, kind of like a no identity kind of thing. And you're probably going to build out your own crew, but I, I can't say for sure, of course, cause nobody knows yet. So that's what I was curious about coming out of the beta. Yeah. I think what they've said story-wise for 
or gameplay wise, I guess, for single player is that yeah, you're you're gonna play as as one character. Um, his name's Romer, and he's kind of the leader of this outlaw group that he <clears throat> that he builds. IGN had a, a whole IGN first month with them, and there was a, an article on the campaign, and I, and I believe right there, I guess I could look it up to be accurate, but I believe what they were saying was that you can kind of customize your crew over the course of the game by collecting things like uh, like materials throughout the throughout the game. Yeah, that's ki- that's kind of what I figured. I mean, that make, that's that sounds really cool because I assume we're not going to get much customization in multiplayer. I assume to for balance reasons, it's going to be everybody has their set loadouts, basically. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, responsiveness, which was actually something that I had an issue with playing the game. It, it's a technical beta. Um, I'm playing on an Xbox One X. And I have a 4K TV. And so the Xbox One X was struggling, <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> to keep up with uh, some of the gameplay. And when when combat got uh, a little bit crazy, especially on the um, uh, the control, the, the zone capture game mode, mm, mm-hmm. um, when like everyone's fighting around B and you've got like, you know, I don't up to six, seven, eight different um, teams all going for that one spot. It it kind of fell apart pretty fast, and I'm, I'm it's a technical beta. I totally expect them to smooth it out and fix the performance issues. I'm sure they're you know part of the the beta is that they're running all sorts of metrics, and there's a lot of debug code running to help them figure out you know where the where the hitches are and all that. But I was definitely having issues with, you know, I'd hit the controller and kind of things would feel a little sluggish and that was frustrating. Although they did have the the ability for you to go in and change the the controller responsiveness and Oh yeah. That was huge. When I went in and I turned off the controller smoothing and I um cha- and I sort of bumped up the sensitivity settings, that really helped a lot. Um but it was still a little rough doing the the beta thing but you know that's that's to be expected it's really interesting i was playing on the one x on a 1080p tv and i had no problems well not no I problems mean, <laughs> not no problems but because you ran into the same problem that i ran into well sure so yeah i had the, i had the game crash occasionally but i wasn't having constant responsiveness uh hitching issues yeah so and and I know they did talk about a little bit how, um, especially on the older Xboxes, they were expecting that, and so it doesn't surprise me that the the One X version also had maybe a little bit when it's pushing those 4K assets or trying to push you know 4K content. Well, and I, and really, I, I don't think I ever noticed that issue when there was just like me one on one fighting somebody. It was when like almost the entire team was there. Yeah, and I definitely had the problem more on the junkyard map, that that control map. Um, mm-hmm. The other map, maybe it was the sight lines, um, or just sort of because you had so the, so there's the zone zone control, and then there was also the the bomb mode retrieval retrieval, where you had to you know you had A and B the cores, and you had to bring the cores to the common location, 
and maybe because teams were spread out a little bit more, um, I didn't run into those issues nearly as often on that map. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you guys have a... Oh, oh, Brett has a ton of thoughts here, but before he gets to it, I just want to say my favorite crew uh, was Tech Noir, which was the the healer class, which is kind of what I end up defaulting to if I'm given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, hashtag lifeline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No hashtag warlock rift. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Figured me out. Uh, yeah. No tech noir, the ability to sort of hang back and fire these like little bolts of healing goo at your teammates uh, was awesome. And once I sort of figured that out and I was able to get that comfortable role, um, you know, I'd hang back and Timothy would be just wailing on guys as uh, the Warheads crew, you know, just like mm-hmm. the invulnerable tank. And he's just throwing all sorts of stuff at the enemy. And I'm just sort of hanging back and like keeping him alive. Uh, we could, you know, we could do some damage with that. That was, that was a lot of fun once we sort of yeah. hit that rhythm. Um but I, it was interesting and frustrating to me that I didn't have a way to heal myself. Uh, I could heal my yeah. units on the ground, but uh, I had to keep myself out of out of combat because if I if I went down, I was I was toast. Well, I, I think there was only one crew that could heal themselves, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, King's Guard. Yeah, because they could drop the little healing uh, ball thing that you could fly yeah. into. Yep. And, and honestly, for me, I think it's it's almost easier to say the crews I didn't like because I actually liked the majority of them. I think the one though that I just never played was King's Guard, and it was it just that weapon just didn't do enough damage, and it had a charge up and on it on top of that. And I didn't feel like it's it would hit reliably either. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I, and and missing a charge shot, and and then even when you hit it, it did little damage. It just wasn't worth it. Yeah. Uh, but I was a big fan of Neon Dreams. That yeah. was probably my favorite to play. Uh, but I also really liked the sideshow. Mm-hmm. It was very satisfying. They basically have a... You can land mines or charges on people, and then you can just blow them up at the same time. And I had a few times when I just took people from half health to dead because I'd just land so many of them on them. <laughs> very satisfying. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I. I uh, I'm interested to see. I'm guessing that's probably what they're gonna do for like multiplayer DLC is add more crews in the future. So yeah, I'd say my favorite was definitely Neon Dreams. Although by the end of the weekend, I had really gotten uh, used to uh, Lost Ronin as well. Mm, yeah, he's a very he's a very similar build out, just a little more uh, medium range combat. Was Ronin the one with, um, uh, rather than like the auto fire, it was like the pulse fire yes. machine gun. He was like a he was like a bolt, like a burst, yeah, yeah like okay. a burst fire. And uh, but his secondary is these like seeking rockets, and oh. they do they do great damage. Yes, yeah. If you could hit with those, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. In response to Timothy's comment earlier about uh, that it seems like the squad mechanics are going to be difficult to master. And I think that's one of the great things about the game is that it is really playable. Like you can sit down and once you figure out, you know, sort of just how to fly around, 
you can get into the game and do combat and fight people. And it's obvious like first person shooter and your crew's doing something down on the ground. Like if, if you let them just sort of figure it out, they attack the closest target and yeah, you know, that's fine. Um, but there's definitely a ramp up where you can gain mastery and you're going to, it, it'll be interesting to see how people go along that curve and how quickly they make it. Yeah. I've been, I've been saying that this game has a really high, uh, skill ceiling Mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, you can get in, you can, you can do pretty well just by yourself and let your ground units run around, you know, not really telling them much other than maybe like to attack but where that strategy and where you're going to become an expert and you're going to be really good at this game is when you understand those mechanics of each crew and each unit of the units that are part of that crew and using them effectively against other crews, <clears throat> other ground units and other graph cycles. Yeah. Well, that, because that was one of the things I was impressed with was with, with a game like that, when they give you, like AI units, a lot of people assume they're not going to be that powerful, but they're mm-hmm. very powerful. Like the, some of the units had slow fields that they could throw up. Some of them had rockets that did pretty, pretty dang high amount of damage. Yeah. The devastator. Oh yeah. Using him at the right time could totally win you a fight and not just like eke out a fight. Like it could make an entire difference in a fight. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to go too long on it on this but we gotta hear your thoughts i know no i you know this is probably one of my most anticipated games for 2020 um it's hard to compete with like halo is you know also coming out this year but you know this is a this is a game that's being developed by a pretty small team and as i've become more educated about how games are made and just the process like i really respect um, and have a strong desire to see those small teams that really make high quality content succeed. Um, And so I hope that, you know, by my love for this or my seeming, my enthusiasm for this game isn't just coming from a place of, you know, I want them to succeed despite the quality. I think there's also quality here. Um, And I'm really excited to see, more, especially like uh, what Tim- Timothy was saying um, of the campaign, how that progression is going to work. Um, you know, is multiplayer going to be enough to keep me coming back week after week? Um, I think at this point, I'm at the place in how I play m- my games is that I'd rather have this than like another Destiny or Division style game where it's making me come back week after week to do new things. And it's just, it's just a grind. Um, if they put out like every couple months, here's a new map or here's a new game mode or here's a new, you know, grab, grab cycle crew. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's great. I'll pay money for that. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm, was incredibly impressed by how balanced all of the crews felt. I would agree with, uh, Timothy that, Kingsguard's probably the only one that I felt was maybe underpowered. I didn't use the business much. He's kind of that close range player with the charge up shotgun. Um, but I had other people play him and say good things. So yeah, I, yeah. Kept, I kept missing that shotgun shot. Yeah. 
Oh, oh and it's reload is long. Yeah, so it's, you, <laughs> it's well, and even just getting like a partial hit it, and I, it's devastating because you're like, oh, like you just put yourself out of position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you can't close the deal on it, <laughs> it goes, it's bad fast. <laughs> Was that a pun with the business? <laughs> oh. No, I'm just, just that say, brilliant. Just say yes. Just yes. Say yes. Yes. yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm pretty impressed, though, that that's your most anticipated game of the year, because uh, there's some really big games this year. 2020 is going to be a good year for games. Um, I had the privilege of uh, seeing this game at PAX, um, being able to play it there. Um, I've been able to uh, go to V1 and visit their studio. And, I, you know, again, that's probably why I'm a little more hyped. But I think I think the quality is there. Oh, yeah, And for so sure. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm stoked. I definitely believe that Marcus and his team know what they're doing. And yeah. they've had a good amount of time, and it really mm-hmm. seems like they've got a, a solid foundation that they're building on. Um, and if the last the last three years have proven anything, it's that you know single player games sell; they do well. They're critically yeah. they can be critically received, and studios don't have to do this always online. You know, constant updates kind of thing. If they can deliver a really quality campaign give us some fun multiplayer uh sandbox madness i think they'll they'll be great they're yeah. they're in a good position to succeed this year and the future yeah yep. i agree yeah and i think you know <clears throat> segueing into the next topic uh I, this if, if they're able to make their multiplayer follow the format of apex legends um that'll be awesome because like you said I, I don't need more homework <laughs> with my yeah, gaming. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things, it's one of the reasons why I've fallen off of destiny. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I played it pretty freaking hard for five years and it's just, I've, I've lost my steam. Like I need to go do some other stuff. And I fully believe that Bungie can get, uh, you know, some awesome destiny content that I'll love. But right now, I'm I'm not looking for more progression yeah. and advancement in, you know, leveling. I I just want to be able to hop in and have an awesome game with my friends and the technical beta, you know, we had what like 8 of us um yeah. <laughs> on one Xbox party, two different game um game parties in the technical beta and we were having a freaking ball. Like yeah. that was that was an awesome time. Uh, I I want more of that. But, and, and I will say, because I, I think all of us have fallen off Destiny a little bit, and uh, the one thing that's nice about this game, for especially the old guard gamers that I kind of think we are, is it's it's a it's a traditional uh, multiplayer experience. It wasn't like somebody that's playing longer than you is going to have an advantage other than they just know the game better. There's no like, oh, they unlocked, you know, this new crew that's going to wipe you wipe the floor with you. It was... Every time you go in, it's all about who's knows the map better, who knows the the crews better. Mm-hmm. Not not oh, this guy spent a thousand hours to grind out this weapon, <laughs> Jotun. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah. I, so like I said, uh, sort of segueing into the next topic. Um, we also this this week uh, saw Apex Legends season four launch. 
And um, I don't know, Timothy, you want to sort of give like a over, quick overview of, of the new stuff that, that popped in with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing most people are going to notice is the map change and Revenant. So mm-hmm. uh, the map, it's still the same map. The second map, uh, I can't remember the name. of World's it. Edge. World's Edge. Thank you. Um, except that they've basically transformed the whole thing. Basically, uh, Hammond Robotics has come in and put in a giant harvester to harvest the planet's core. And uh, it's completely transformed the level. So there's lava pits. Yeah, lava basically everywhere. Dirt, uh, thermal vents. And uh, and basically a lot a lot more buildings, I'd say, than there were in the in the old one. Yeah. And on top of that, they also added a new legend, Revenant who they've done a really good job so far. I think in every hero feels very unique. Doesn't feel like a reskin of an old one. Uh, Revenant has a pretty crazy ability that you can put down a totem for the, his ultimate and basically any of your team that wants it can activate it. And Or enemies. Yeah, that's true. Any And even enemies can activate it. And if they die, they go back, teleport back to the totem with one health remaining. And, and whatever uh, shields they had when they started. Yeah. And then, of course, there were some some balance changes as well. Um, I think the biggest one was they got rid of... Or they added in a sniper class uh, for weapons. And uh, I think that's actually changed it quite a bit for the better, I think. Because you, if you want to run a sniper, you can pick up a different sniper and get all the gear you want. And then when you find the sniper you like, you're already kitted out for that sniper. Yeah, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, whereas before, it's like, oh, I'll take a triple take. Well, oh crap! Now there's a longbow, but, <laughs> but I don't have anything for a longbow. No heavy <laughs> ammo. Yeah, I think the I think those are the major changes. Yeah, and they swapped uh, the the last one is that they swapped out uh, the L star is no longer a crate weapon. It's a you can pick it up on the ground, and the devotion, uh, which used to be on the ground, is now a crate weapon. It's an interesting choice. I wonder why they why they made that that change. Um, I I have a theory on it. Just from seeing people talk about it, devotion. I haven't played with it yet, but devotion from the from the drop pod is really powerful. Fully gold devotion is just crazy good. I know you had some luck with it, Michael. And uh, <laughs> um, I got it once, and I won the game. So and I and and I yeah. think I think the main reason. So I think the main reason they did it is because it is really powerful when it's fully kitted out. Whereas L-Star, even a fully gold L-Star, it's not that great of a weapon. It's good, but it's not going to like outperform the other weapons. And so I think they wanted to make it kind of a risk-reward thing where do I want to go for the drop pod to try and get this really good weapon? Whereas before, I don't think anybody really went out of their way for an L-Star. So I, th- I think that's personally why they... Yeah, that makes sense. And 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 I guess the uh the benefit of switching it to a crate weapon is that it doesn't share ammo with any other weapons. And so once you've used what it dropped with, you're out. You got you got to find something else. Yeah. So it only has a it has a limited lifespan. It's not like you can carry it throughout the rest of the match and dominate with it, but it'll give you an edge up for maybe the next 5 minutes, you know. Yeah. The, your your next your next firefight basically. And I I will say I think L-Star is actually improved in being not a crate weapon or not a drop pod weapon because the fact that it has this infinite clip 
and you can kind of spec it a little bit more so you can put like you couldn't even get a, a sight on it when it was a crate weapon it literally didn't have a, a sight on it i don't believe i think you had to use iron sights so it's only actually i think been improved by being a general weapon i agree with that yeah so brett you've uh you've played a bit of this uh yeah yeah four. i think the balance changes have been, have been pretty good so far um from what i've played i agree completely on the devotion i f- think that especially last season in season three devotion became less and less useful unless you had that turbocharger and so now the fact that it's like it's not that common but it's fully specced out yeah i'm gonna grab it if i see it because it will turn the tide for the next five minutes um revenant man he is you know he's he's kind of unique and it took me a few games to get used to him but i especially like his silence ability to just shut down other abilities um and it's pretty short-lived 10 like i think it's only like a 10 or 12 second timer yeah 10 seconds 10 seconds but that's enough in this game to to give your team the ability to push the other team right and and wreck them and flip that battle i was just gonna say i think it's also silence is the only ability i can think of that damages other players which makes it makes him a little bit more fun to use because I've I even got a couple kills with silence. I mean, technically, I've killed someone with a drop pod, so <laughs> <laughs> it was my own teammate. <laughs> but your your drop pod's your ultimate, yeah, uh, not right, just your right. ability. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I that's maybe even more impressive though because it is. <laughs> <laughs> let's be let's be honest. Um, no, I, I you know. Um, I'm trying to think of what other weapon this not I completely agree on the sniping or the sniper distinction now having its own class. I think that's great. Um I haven't had a lot of luck with L Star. That doesn't surprise me. It can tear up. It, it that like is a especially in the early game, like the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can do some work. Other than that though, I, I mean mechanics wise, it's it's still very there, there weren't any big changes to the mechanics this season. So I'm still loving it. I don't know. There's not much to add. I think you guys covered it pretty pretty well. Yeah, I, I like the map change. Um, the For me, World's Edge never quite felt as good as King's Canyon, uh, mm-hmm. the first map. King's Canyon really had a sense of, like, it, it felt like it was a place that was well-connected and when I moved from one location to the next location to the next location, it, it felt like I was moving through an actual space and, right. uh, world's edge felt more like, um, gamey, I guess. Like it was each location was its own unique ecosystem and moving between them was like moving between, you know, I went, I went to the ice world and then I went to the jungle world Sure, and it it it, I don't know. It, it, there was some sort of magic about King's Canyon. It, maybe it was because that was the first map, and you you're just getting used to the game. But um, I appreciate the new changes to to World's Edge because it divides um, some of the locations that needed to be split up. Uh, like Timothy said, it, they added some more buildings. 
um, and just sort of tidied up the location. So, you know, that was, there was 1.0 and this is like, you know, 1.1, 1.2. There's, is just sort of a gradual improvement to the world. Uh, so I, I, I like that a lot. Um, the sniper changes, there's the new sniper, um, the Sentinel, which, uh, I haven't had a whole heck of a lot of luck with, but I know <laughs> that, uh, Timothy was wrecking with it yesterday. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. Really. <laughs> uh, being able to consume, like saying that you're confident in your positioning and your team uh, such that you're going to consume a uh, shield battery, an entire shield battery to overpower your, your sniper for what? 30 seconds a minute. Um, yeah. That's pretty awesome. I don't even think it overpowers it against body either i think it's just it takes out shields i don't right. actually think it does bonus damage which i think makes it even more of a gamble mm-hmm. but uh but yeah I, re- I i especially like it as well just in addition to that as as a sniper since it's bolt action they seem to have upped the power a little bit i think it's still two headshots to kill but a body shot does like 68 damage which is in that game is a huge amount of damage yeah but if you miss your shot uh you know, bolt action. You gotta <laughs> pull the bolt back, reload. Have <laughs> Who a misses their coffee. shots? Um, <laughs> definitely not me. <clears throat> All the time. I love the snipers in that game when they work, and I hate them when they don't. I have such a hot and cold thing going <laughs> with snipers in that game. So, so why do you still pick them up then, Michael? Because when they're good, they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like I said, I had the uh, the longbow, and I dropped a Pathfinder from like 260 yards yeah. away, and it was like, yes, I am on fire. Next game, I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from 20 oh, yeah. feet away. Yeah. Like, I, it's just... A lot of games, to me, especially first-person shooters, are like made or broken by how good their like sounds are, mm. and Apex has such good... The shield break sound and the headshot sound. Everything. Are just so satisfying. Yeah. Even the ping sounds. Like, yeah. You know, like yeah. I know when so, when my teammate has pinged an enemy versus when they're pinging uh, a cool, you know, we're going to go over here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just just that little audio cue. Yeah. It has great audio. I, I also tried playing Revenant and that was a horrible series of like five games. <laughs> We, it was just bad luck. We had the worst luck. It was like, okay, guys, Michael wants to play Revenant. Can I Can I pick him now? Like, okay, okay, you can have him now. And we had like five games in a row where just like four teams dropped in on our location and I got no weapons, <laughs> like running around <laughs> with a health pack and a, that's about it. It was good when I finally got his, his shutdown ability figured out the totem I think has some really interesting implications for yeah. for being able to push other teams. And e- even if you don't defeat the other team on the push, you're able to severely weaken them and then quickly heal up and go back in and maybe, you know, clean up the mess before they they're able to recover. Uh, yeah. But basically if you have a med kit to spare, mm-hmm. it's totally worth using that totem just to try and, push him out of position or kill him, you know, any, any, like any advantage you can get on him is totally worth a med kit. If you have one to spare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we had a game, uh, last night where 
I had ha- I happened to pick up the gold is it the gold backpack gives you the extra fast healing. Yeah. So I was I was already lifeline and then I had the gold backpack and uh Timothy you dropped a totem and we pushed in and we like totally just shredded the other team. I finally got cut down, dropped back, hit heal on my med kit. It took like half a second because I'm like <laughs> super fast on healing. Charged yeah. back in, and they were still like just reeling from the first attack. Mm-hmm. Cleared out the room with an L star. Like it was, yep. yeah, it was so effective. Um, it'll be interesting to see as people figure out the the ways to counter um, the totem. You know, distance is its is its enemy because it has a limited range. Well, and, and if you can if you can figure out where they put their totem, like if if you have somebody flanking and they and they find the totem, you just wait for him to show up there and just rinse him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because as soon as they come back, they're toast. Um, yeah, definitely. It it seems a little inconsistent. Uh, we had a funny so so. There's this MythBusters clip I'll put in the show notes uh, that was about um, all these things about Revenant and testing his abilities and the limits and all that. And they had this whole bit on not being able to destroy the totem. Um, but we had a game yesterday where Timothy dropped the totem and it like got consumed. It was very strange. And and it, I'm pretty sure I heard a cue from Revenant saying totem destroyed. So I don't know if like, I, I haven't watched the video. I don't know if they tried a, a ton of stuff to destroy it, but uh, something, something deleted it. Something it just took just it gone. out. Yeah. Yeah. The, basically the way they destroyed it in the video was they dropped a lifeline package on it. For the left, the uh, yeah. the care package, um, yeah, and they also put it on an octane. It, yeah, it was the octane jump uh, pad. The jump pad, and they like consumed each other. They both disappeared off the map. Oh, interesting. So maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe we had an octane that threw a jump pad on top of it, and they just both disappeared. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe that's what happened. But it was super strange. Anyway, enjoying Apex season four uh, so far, and like you said, I'm really impressed with what they're doing with each of the different characters and how unique they feel and being able to balance all of that because it's becoming an increasingly complex system. I think, I think they've really nailed their, like, I, I feel like uh, a lot of the other games doing similar things, uh, PUBG and Fortnite and a lot of the other games with battle passes. They don't, I mean, even destiny, I don't think like they have a real good draw to bring somebody back. Uh, but just a new weapon, which they so far they've always had novel mechanics, and then a new legend uh, that doesn't feel like a reskin alone has brought me back every season for at least a few weeks just to give it a shot. So I think they've I think they've really nailed the formula on it. Hopefully they can keep it going. So this is where we do a commercial break. Um, which one of you lined up the sponsors? Uh. <clears throat> I think I think it was uh, sponsored by uh, Apple, right? I think uh, we got Apple as a sponsorship. That's right. Uh, a, a new Mac Pros for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, think dif- think different. That's still the that's still the model, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this week brought to you by Hammond Industries. <laughs> this this week brought to you by Starside Lounge. <laughs> Go check out Michael's other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, wait, can we get a sponsorship from you guys, Brett? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. This week, sponsored by What the Fanboy. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. This episode is rated fanboy-worthy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just expect that check in the mail, Brett. Just uh, Okay, cool. Send that along. <clears throat> I'll, uh, I'll work on that. So if we switch over to uh, some more, we'll, we'll transition between gaming and tech by talking about new tech in gaming. Uh, Timothy, you wanted to talk about the Xbox Series X that's coming out later this year. Yeah, uh, I, I'm i pretty fit. The next gen is kind of interesting. I think it's, in a lot of ways, the most interesting generation we've had in a long time because... It's the first time there hasn't been a huge change in tech in, in I think, any console generation ever. Um, all previous console generations, they're, they've changed the chip type. They've changed, you know, they've gone from cartridges to discs. There's always been something that's really set apart the previous gen from the next gen. And with both Xbox and PlayStation 5, this next gen is going to be it's still going to be, uh, what is it, uh, AMD? Yeah, AMD chips for both the graphics and the the CPU, which is both of them are. Um, it's just the newer tech, and both of them have backwards compatibility. They're still discs. It's it's really kind of interesting to me, and uh, we we finally kind of saw the Xbox Series X. We had the specs for that, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think I think it's going to be an interesting generation. Um, the backwards compatibility, especially. I'm really happy Xbox is doing complete backwards compatibility. You're going to be able to play everything back to the Xbox uh, games that are compatible with Xbox One. So, and then on top of that, you don't even have to buy new controllers. If you have multiple controllers for Xbox One, all your controllers, all your accessories are going to work with Xbox Series X. So. The only thing I hate about it so far is the name. The Xbox Series X is a terrible name, and I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, X's sell. So what's better than uh, two X's, uh, three X's? Um, well, then they should have added an X then. They're just the same number of X's. As no, Xbox. Xbox. X. Xbox. And then uh, there's, there's Xbox two has the first two. Word. Yeah. Right, but I mean, we had Xbox One X, so that's three X's. Oh yeah. So do, right. so they haven't added any X's. They've just made it more confusing if you already have an Xbox One X. <laughs> they've they've gone on the record since announcing this that the the they're just the base generation name is Xbox. Right. Right. Which, but I'm so, not sure that's any better though. Yeah. No, no. I, I, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get a Series X. We'll get a Series. S probably. S. God. Yeah, probably. We can't have something like an E or And then there'll be an R S. A letter where we haven't had I, I still think they just should have gone with I don't e- know. even if even if they had called it Y, it would have like okay. This is this is like a new thing. It would have felt like it. Xbox mm. D plus. <laughs> <laughs> Almost passing. <laughs> So, so you guys saw the the hardware. What do you guys think about the look of the hardware? I don't know where it's gonna go. I, yeah, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, you know, I I kind of like the monolithic look, and I know you can turn it on its side and do a more traditional. It's a rectangle. Um, I, but yeah, I kind of like the fact that I'm. This is one that I might put on my top shelf. 
Yep. That's just below my TV that just kind of sits there like, look at me. I am beautiful. That also helps with the ventilation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. that's true. Well, and I think, the, I think the thing I like about it, and it's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, it already is divisive, but I like that it's unique looking without being a pain. Like, it's not that much bigger than the old one we saw next right. to the controller. It's about as as wide as an Xbox controller. So it's not that tall if you put it on its side. But uh, it's still unique looking. Because one, like, one of my complaints about the PS4 uh, is that stupid angle that it's at. Mm. If you're trying to put cables in the back of the PlayStation, it's impossible without turning it around. You cannot find those stupid ports on the back of the PlayStation. Um, and yeah, it's unique looking, but man, it's a pain. Um, yeah, and, and I agree with you too. The Oh, I guess you were talking about placement. But the the thing, the other thing I'm happy about with the design is they they need to get more power. They need better cooling. That's something that's like an absolute requirement. And and the traditional console look just doesn't work with cooling. Um, if you want these really powerful CPUs and GPUs, you need a lot of airflow, which means space inside. And and making it into a square shape that you can fit a big fan into means you can get more air pushing through it means faster speeds without, without having to worry about overheating your box. Yeah. There's a reason why PC towers have lasted so long. There's a reason why the new Mac pro is a tower, right? Like full of holes, full of holes. And it's because of cooling. Yeah. There's been conversation about the lack of new generation exclusives. Uh, regarding the new the new platforms um, but I think there's also an argument to be made that um, there aren't really a whole lot of generation exclusive launch titles right uh, especially especially in the big titles the only time halo has been a generation exclusive launch title was with the original Xbox I see people argue or complain about this and all I can think of is that this is the most consumer friendly that this model has ever been in the console area, like field of gaming. And so that makes me incredibly excited. It means that I don't have to shell out a thousand dollars if I want, you know, to, to play the newest games on both consoles. And I, I will say though, uh, Microsoft's come on the, they basically people have been asking him, where are the exclusives? Because a lot of people are worried about Xbox as a brand because without exclusives, people are going to buy PlayStation over Xbox. Um, and they've actually come out and said they've got a lot of exclusives in the works because they bought... How many studios did they buy? They oh, they've like, got like seven now, right? <laughs> and and we only have announcements from a couple of them. So, so I think one of them was the new uh, Hellblade was an Xbox exclusive, but mm-hmm. we—I think that's the only one we haven't announced it from for any of them. Um, so I think I think we're going to get exclusives. I just think they haven't been announced yet. And of course, we're going to get a lot from Sony. They, there's a lot of franchises they haven't announced sequels for that we know they're going to come. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn's a big one. Hey, maybe they'll, they'll just bump that Avengers game to be a uh, <laughs> launch title for PS5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, 
and, and that's the beauty about the new backwards compatibility system is you can swap the new system in and play the previous titles without any hiccup, which is awesome. Especially if Microsoft keeps up this really cool improving the backwards compatibility compatible games, that'll be really cool because but like let's say if you buy Cyberpunk 2077, which they've said they haven't even started looking at the next gen version of it. If you buy it for an Xbox One and then you play it on Xbox Series, it's possible it's going to look better without you even having to do anything. If Microsoft keeps up this uh, the same kind of backwards compatibility they've they've been doing, so I think I think there I think there's some really cool stuff that's going on with, with this backwards compatibility wave. Um, launch window for these, or is it still like December? Is that what we're looking at? Uh, I think I think they've said holiday. My guess is that's October, November. October, November, yeah. yeah. Which is what we saw with last generation as well. Okay, yeah. For the current sense. gen. I'm excited for it. I think that um, we're finally getting to a point where it's more about the games than it is about the console. And I've, I'm not one for indulging in console wars, so the, the, the further we can get away from fighting and the closer we can get to playing the better it is for all of us. <laughs> in other other tech news, in the last couple of weeks, um, this is this will be our first non-gaming news. Uh, the EU uh, voted to formalize a common charging standard, and uh, Apple fought, fought the law, and the law won. <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Brett, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? I know Timothy does, so I'm going to have you go first. Cause... Sure, sure, sure. You know, from a certain point of view, it makes a lot of sense. For the average consumer who isn't thinking about, hey, I need this kind of certification for this cable so that I can do these kinds of things with my devices, it's nice just to be able to go down to your dollar store and pick up a cable that you know is going to work. Whereas, on the flip side, though, with these kind of rulings, I do think you stifle innovation to a certain degree. Um, you know, one of the one of my biggest gripes with Apple over the last, I don't know what what's it been now, t- seven, ten years, not ten, is is the fact that they dropped MagSafe. I loved MagSafe connectors, and I understand the versatility of USB C. That said, I've got cats. I've got a daughter running around the house. Like, I don't want to have that thing plugged in unless it's on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I can see I can see both sides. I probably err on the side of I'd rather them not have a standard and just companies play nice with each other, which do they ever? I don't know. Sometimes. Well, so it's interesting because back when they were trying to, I think you did the same thing with uh, USB micro. Uh, they made a law that all phones had to come with usb micro cables and if it didn't then it had to come with an adapter i think is what what the compromise was and the thing that's interesting about that is apple was on the team that wanted to make a usb standard for phones so that all phones used the same usb standard like they were on it wasn't like a legal team it was like a a group of tech makers and the reason why they ended up making lightning instead of going with micro is they couldn't get the other people to agree on the standards 
that they wanted for USB micro. So uh, the reason they went with lightning is because lightning had to get a lightning cable made, even if it's third party, it has to hit certain power and data requirements to be compatible with your phone uh, or with your iPad so that it charges fast enough and it passes data fast enough. And, and, And for anybody that's had USB micro accessories of any kind, you know, some of the USB micro cords that come with your devices suck and they don't charge well at all, or they don't even, can't even really pass data in any usable kind of way. And I think the problem is that's what's going to happen with USB-C. There's no way they're going to make a law that says, oh, it has to be, it has to charge this fast. It has to pass data this fast. So you're just going to get the same thing where you're going to get all these people with these crappy USB-C cords that they're like, oh, I bought mine for a dollar at the store. Man, my phone charges really slowly. And and that you just can't rely on what you're buying because they're going to be, there is no requirement for having a USB-C cable that at all indicates what kind of uh, quality it is. And I think that's the real problem is these these laws aren't aware of the technology enough to actually make it better for the consumer. Sure, it's going to be better that you could all your phones can use USB-C, but that alone doesn't may, mean you're going to have a good experience. Yeah. And then there was the argument uh, that, you know, the law is going to lag behind any technology oh, totally. development that does happen. Yeah. And so you're going to get, you know, five, 10 years down the line. And if we're still talking USB-C, but there's a, you know, new player on the market. Yeah. Um, USB-D. <laughs> yeah. USB type D. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we, like how does that get traction is, is having everybody using USB-C, connectors for charging is that going to you know prevent people from upgrading to a new uh connector type and uh, who knows um but yeah i think that's definitely a concern um yeah totally agreed yeah i wonder if apple's going to get around this by saying you know oh we'll include a usb type c adapter in the box or if that won't count this time yeah, that's the that's the thing is all they've agreed on is that they're going to make legislation. So we don't actually know what the legislation looks like yet. So if it's like last time, they'll just be able to do a dongle. But if it's it, it they could possibly just say all new phones that get developed have to have USB-C, in which case Apple's going to have to do some pretty big changes. You know, on top of having uh, a plethora of unknown quality USB type C connectors uh, that sort of bleeds into the existing problem of USB type C versus USB three. And then the bus types with gen one and gen two. And now we're calling it like, I don't, I, I don't even know. And, like, and USB 3.2 as well is on the, on right. the horizon. Yeah. So yeah. you have USB 3.1 gen one and gen two, and then USB 3.2. Is that and different all, than Gen 3.1 Gen 2? Or is that like a, a rename? At this point, I'm not even sure. <laughs> like, that's how <laughs> confusing it is. And, and uh, yeah, they, they, they really... They, I mean, that's the, that's the problem. USBs, USB as a standard's had the entire time. is They just can't decide on standards 
and then they finally do and their decisions never make any sense with the way people communicate uh designed by committee at its finest and then there's thunderbolt don't forget that uh you know thunderbolt 3 uses the right. same plug well right because for those don't that don't know that are listening usb-c has nothing to do with the connection you could have a USB-A speed. I, I guess that'd be what? USB-2? USB, you could even technically have USB-1 through a USB-C connector. So just because it has a USB-C connector on it doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean you're going to get any guaranteed speeds. Yeah, there's the connector versus the bus, and they're different things. Um, but some inform the others. Brett, what's your favorite USB device? My favorite USB device? Yeah. Uh, my Elgato Stream Deck. Ah. It's a <laughs> USB 2? I don't know. It's the USB. It's the standard USB plug. Micro. Which stand- There's lots of standards. <clears throat> That's the whole problem, right? <laughs> I think it's probably micro if you're, if you're thinking standard. That's like the... Or A. It's A. It's A. It's USB-A. See? So confusing. I know. I know. That's yeah. my that's my favorite device that I have that connects via USB. I was just on a work project, and uh, we had a Elgato uh, um, Game Capture HD-S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great piece of hardware. Um, however, uh, the, the connection to the computer, which carries not only the data, but also the power to operate the device. Um, it, the connector is a USB type C. Right. Mm-hmm. And you need to have cables that are rated to carry a certain amount of data and a certain amount of power to properly power the box. And we had a whole mess of different cables and had a nightmare trying to find <laughs> which one would work because some you'd plug in, it wouldn't even power up. Uh, some you'd plug in, it would power up and then like flicker and the connection would die intermittently. Like sometimes it would last five minutes. Sometimes it would last 10 seconds. Oof. Um, and it's like these cables are indistinguishable from one another. The, the same gauge, same plugs on the end. Like it was, it was insane. Mm-hmm. So we're like, you know, flipping th- through all the boxes of all the different cables, trying to find the one magic one that's going to work. Which at that point, you might as well just have a proprietary cable. Because then at least yes. I know when I grab that cable, it's going to work. Yeah, it was it was infuriating. I just see this only just getting worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're and, until absolutely right. And, and who knows? Maybe the industry will come up with uh, you know some new some new ways of uh, guaranteeing a certain amount of power delivery or data transfer. I know right now you can buy uh, ten gigabit USB C cables, and those have to be shielded and you know, rated for that data transfer speed. So they have to be a minimum quality. Um, and maybe that's how it sort of shuffles out is that the industry comes up with these, these uh, speed ratings and that's what gets stamped on the package. And, and but, that's all it would really take is you, the USB committee coming out with a logo that specifies what it, what it does, whether data or power. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then the last thing uh, we have on our, our roster here is uh, some new, a, a new article that came out talking about um, Apple engineers proposing 
a standardized format for uh, the one-time passcodes you get over text messages to your phone. So, you know, you log into, I don't know, Amazon, and to, they send your phone a code, and then you have to look at your phone and type in the code mm-hmm. and then hit log in. It's a little clumsy. Basically, it looks like it's it's a simple, you just append some specially formatted data to the end of this text message that you send. And if a client application receives it, that code is available for the application to see and can automatically fill into the field. You know, if you've used your iPhone already, to, to like if you're trying to log in on your phone, your iPhone, and you get a text message code, the iPhone will offer for you to like autocomplete that into the field. Yeah. And it sort of just seems like they're trying to find a way that everybody else can use a similar implementation. Right. Um, I, for one, think that would be fantastic. And uh, I, I see no downside to this. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a great idea. Uh, my only concern is more general about really we shouldn't be using SMS one-time <laughs> passwords. But, but, well, okay. but yeah, that's that. But that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, uh, everybody using a standardized format would be great, especially mm-hmm. because it would get around a problem we already have, which is there's people that send you uh, codes to try and trap you. That That's like one of the schemes that people use. So they'll send you like a code that makes you think that somebody's trying to log into your account. And so then you'll click on a link. And as a result, if you if they implemented a standard like this, It'd make it so if you got a message like that, you'd immediately go, well, I, my phone takes care of this. Why, why would it not automatically have taken care of this already? Right. You're not going to worry about, you're not going to click on some link in the text message thinking somebody's trying to get into your account. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that any, you know, as, as we have parents and grandparents who are getting older who are messing with technology more and more just because they have to, Anything to simplify, you know, and protect themselves, uh, the, the, those passwords and that, that, those processes, I think is is helpful. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I had a, a relative have a have their debit card stolen, um, and I mean that's not that big of a deal these days. But when they're eighty plus and don't they don't understand what they're doing right you know and so i think i think yes anything we can do um and especially when you when you're talking about you know someone like apple i i trust them with security over any other company i think so i'm all for this yeah yeah i've been trying to get my uh trying to get my family on one password um, yeah you know in, in my extended family because uh having a password manager is such a great tool. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, the way it does the one-time password generations and everything is fantastic. It's still a little bit technical though. Yeah. And w- which is too bad. Uh, I, I think there are definitely some usability cases where, uh, you know, at least one password can be improved. I know, uh, last passes in the market. I haven't used them in like a decade maybe, but the ability to have a actual secure repository for your passwords and have different passwords for different sites um, is it's just such a requirement 
uh, for modern computing mm-hmm. that um, being able to have that technology be as ubiquitous as possible is nothing but a plus. Agreed. And yeah, so any little moves you can make to to improve that is great. Um, but like you said, the ideal would be uh, to not have any SMS one-time passwords <laughs> yeah. anyway because that system is not solid. I don't, I don't think um, any of you have, have watched the last season of Mr. Robot, right? No, I haven't. No. They, they're, they're, they take advantage of that. I'll just say that. Ah, in, ah in gotcha. Mr. Robot. Awesome. Appropriately, too, I imagine. Yes. So, yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, the things we had to talk about. This has, uh, you know, been a pilot episode of Insufficiently Advanced. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts or commentary. I just want to say if this is very much a kind of a test or pilot episode, if you guys have any feedback, if you have any, if you want, think it needs to be more structured, less structured, you want us to talk more about games, more about tech, just let us know. We, we would, we would love to hear from you. So I'd second that. Um, yeah. Uh, feedback's always good. So it's a uh, feedback at iapodcast.net. Yeah. Perfect. We'll have a link, I'm sure. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. I know that we're excited to talk about things, uh, the news, technology as it happens, and you never know what's coming in the next few weeks. So uh, hopefully we'll have you know a nice fresh flow of material to work with. Um, but yeah, if there's anything you want us to talk about, um, comments, questions, please uh, write in and we'd love to get to it maybe maybe we should set up like a twitter account i don't know <laughs> is that is that a thing do kids is that what the kids are using these days uh i think instagram's more popular now but twitter's still a thing oh okay <laughs> right. what's the snapchat uh, that's like dead pretty much <laughs> like not not kidding <laughs> it kind of like was the flash of the pan thing do we need a tiktok <laughs> <laughs> Was that the video thing? Wait. Oh, it's still the video thing. It's probably, it, yeah, honestly, yeah. it's oh, probably it's, the biggest social media thing. Yeah. But it's all videos, so. Got it. See, I'm so not with it. I don't know how we do that. Yeah. <laughs> As a podcast, it doesn't seem like that would work real well. well especially when we live in three different locations. Mm-hmm. You'd need You'd need someone who knew how to do video editing or something like that. <laughs> That sounds complicated. Yeah, too too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, he's uh, gone. Let's nation. actually get it started. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of the Insufficiently ad- Advanced. Damn it, I already screwed it up. Right. <sighs>